Beginning Podcast, episode 25, with Paul from Humane Made. Hi, Paul. Hi. Nice to meet you. <laughs> nice to meet you. Thank you very much for coming on. I'm a bit yeah. frantic, but I'm going to... I think it's all good now. Sort yeah. it out. <laughs> um... Yeah, do you want to start off by saying, like, what your studio's called and introducing yourself a little bit? Yeah, sure. Um, my name's Paul and I own Humane Made. It's a screen printing and embroidery company. Um, fairly new, although I've been in the industry for about um, 18 years. Yeah. So I've been, I've been doing different bits for quite a while, sort of dipping in and out. Um, over the last couple of years, I've sort of committed to it a bit more and started to get more involved in the printing side of things. Mm. Yeah, so you've kind of like, you have got some strong values on show in your, in your studio, obviously going from the name like Humane Made. And yeah. I think I spoke to you a little bit or it's just quite apparent on your profile that you are like vegan yourself. Is that right? Yes. And yeah, then you've been vegan of... for five years. Mm. And um, so, for me, it was obviously important that all the inks I use are vegan and where possible, I steer people down sort of sustainably produced and ethically sourced garments and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, because you've had brands in the past, haven't you? Yeah. Yes, a few, so, yeah. Yeah. And like one of the big selfish reasons that I wanted to get you on as well is because like you reached out to me about NASFest. Yeah. And like how that you've you've worked on those types of but you worked at, at festivals with brands. Were they yeah. brands that you owned or did you work in them? It, yeah, they're ones that I owned. So I've had three brands in the past. Um, my first one was when I was 17, 18. Wow. Which was, um, it was called Robo Love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weird name and weird designs, but... But back then, it was very easy to own a clothing brand because there was no competition. Mm. I got the idea from America, from all these sort of um, pop punk bands that I listened to. And I was just like, oh, I could probably do that. So I came up with some pretty awful designs, got them <laughs> printed by a local printer. And um, because there was no competition, it was really easy to sell. Yeah. So I was sold in like... I think about 30 shops wow. worldwide. That's incredible. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird. Like now it just wouldn't happen. But back then, do you remember sites like Grindstore and Attitude Clothing and things like that? They're like the skate punk online shops. Maybe not, because I'm not actually like a skater. I just appreciate skateboard art. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> yeah. They, they were like always advertising in like Kerrang! magazine and stuff like that. But they were sort of like the go-to shops and I was like probably for about six months to their biggest selling brand with this oh, wow. really awful design that I had done. <laughs> um, and that one, I, I never went to a music festival or anything like that, but I did trade shows with it. So I exhibited in, in London at London Edge. Mm. I don't know if you've heard of, but it's like a... It's I a think big... I've attended as a guest oh, have you? On, on, a, on a snoop. Yeah, like trying to figure out what everyone's doing, but yeah, yeah, mm. yeah, it's a good place to go and see what other people are up to. I don't know what it's like now, but back then it was very American because, like I said, there wasn't many UK people doing it. Um, I did I did that for a couple of years, 
And then um, the screen printer I used, he went bankrupt. I ended up outsourcing to somebody to ship it direct to someone and they were awful. And um, the prints got sent back to me and I oh. just I was like, I can't be bothered with this. Yeah, <laughs> like the, that's grim. You could literally peel the print off the t-shirt. Oh. It was horrendous. So I sort of lost faith in it. <laughs> Um, and then a couple of years later, I wanted to give it another go. So I started another brand called TB Club, um, which stood for the Breakfast Club, not tuberculosis, which we got. On <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> but you just like get this because you can't always guess who your customers are going to be. So you're yeah. thinking, oh, yeah, it's going to be this. And then all these people with tuberculosis. That's not funny. Yeah. No <laughs> one's ever laughed about tuberculosis. Sorry. No, you'd be surprised <laughs> what I've heard. Yeah, but, um, okay. All of our designs were like, um, they were like celebrities that had been tattooed and stuff. So it ended up being known as the Tattooed Bastards Club. Oh, cool. It went through a, a few different name changes along those sort of lines. But that brand I took to quite a lot of festivals. So I did um, did NAS, Boardmasters, yeah. um, Freeze, uh, that grows what I told about in Belgium. Mm. Um and various like local little music festivals and things like that. So I did quite a few of that one. Mm. Um, and then I did one more with a brand called Milo Clo, which was sort of a, a bit of a blip really. I did it for about a year and just went to the Belgian one and a couple of local ones with it. Yeah. So how come you did change the brands? Is it like you just outgrew them yourself because you're going, you're like literally becoming a teenager into an adult? Yeah. A bit of a mixture of reasons. The first one, like I said, was I lost the printer and I just, I was, I was young and I made a lot of stupid mistakes. I didn't really know what I was doing. Mm. Um, the second one, I, I, I set it up and I got a couple of friends involved and it all, all went to shit because I got greedy with money, um, right. unfortunately. So that one had an, a very nasty end. And then the third one, I sort of set up off the back of the other one and I was in a bit of a mental health crisis time and I, I couldn't really commit to it so um I just had to sort of abandon it unfortunately yeah just like wind it down but you have you still got like stock there kind of annoying you in the background no the, I mean the, the way I, I've always worked is I've always done print to order so oh, right, okay. I've always held blank stock and I've always oh. had my screens um I've, I've always had about 50 screens, the designs Jeez. that I'm selling on, and then I'll just whack them into the machine print as they sell. Wow. So I, I didn't like the idea of having waste sat around. Mm. So um, I just saw that, saw that as being the, the easiest way. Yeah, so, like use them like cartridges. <laughs> yeah, basically. And because all, all my designs were very simple, one color stuff, it was really easy. Um, yeah. I think, again, because it was a bit longer ago, there was like a couple of years of a trend where everyone was wearing black on white and it was amazing. <laughs> and then it went to white on black and now it's gone quite colourful, so it's a bit harder now. Yeah, so you're, you're like, right, what's the fourth, fourth wave of this? But yeah. Humane is a studio on its own, but you're also doing Humane uh, as a brand within there as I'm well. I'm just starting to, yeah. Mm. So I'm in, I'm in the process of setting up at the moment. Um, the, the big problem I have is that I'm, I'm more interested in owning a brand than I am a print company. So I, I got into it to print my own stuff rather yeah. than print for other people. And I, I do it a little bit every now and again. I'm trying to get a bit more into it. 
but I'm I'm very fussy, a bit like you, I think, with who I work with. I won't just work with anyone. I re yeah. reject a few people, and um, if people don't want to use the sort of garments I recommend, then I send them elsewhere usually. That's what I'm doing now. That's <laughs> just I, I'm glad that I've got a bit of that reputation, but it is it is. I've just been worn down. I've just been worn yeah. down into like a nubbin of stress, so I just can't be dealing with it. And I've realised that I don't have to deal with it. So, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, money's not everything, is it? And it allows you to, more time to do the jobs you actually want to do. Mm, so, exactly. I, I still take the odd, the odd horrible job here and there when I don't really want to, if I need a bit of money to see me through whatever. But yeah, where, where yeah. possible, I avoid those sort of ones. Yeah, there's, um, so are you getting, yeah, you're doing that from the like you, the preference side of it, not really like, so people are, are they walking up to the studio and just like knocking on the door or no, is so it that type I, of thing? I, I do it part time. It's like a side hustle kind of thing. So I'm daytime. I'm the manager of an embroidery company. Ah, okay. So I, I work for another company doing embroidery mm. and then the, the company I work for, they've been very kind and they've given me my own room to print from. So I've got all wow. my screen printing equipment in this company I work for. Um, as a bit of a trade, they use my equipment sometimes and I use their embroidery machines. So it works Brilliant. quite nicely. Mm. That's a really, really good mix up. I've tried to kind of do that with someone here, but um, they didn't have like enough momentum behind them for it to work. Like what they wanted to do was work. They want to like do a certain amount of hours for free and then use the equipment, but it just it's kind of like if you're not paying them, you can't really ask them to do certain things. And it's quite awkward. But I suppose yeah. if you're an actual employee, it's much easier. And you get, to, yeah, because, yeah, uh, yeah, affording an embroidery machine is is a massive overhead initially, isn't it? Yeah. Where I work, we've mm. got we've got three Baradons and four Recomas, which we're nice. going to switch out to Baradons. Yeah. So we've, we've got quite a lot of nice machines. And then I've obviously got my own printing stuff there. So we've got a decent setup between the, the two companies, really. Yeah. So like, what is your press? And like, were they choices I've that got, you made? Or Yeah. So at the moment, I've got a, well, I bought it, was it last year or the year before? The, the last couple of years, it just merged into one because COVID stuff, haven't they? But yeah. I, I think it was the year before last, I bought a Vastex um, V2000 which is the it's a six color four station. Yeah. Um, I did a load of research and I was really torn between that and um, I think it was the, the cruiser. Yeah, it's the same uh, six head four station. So yeah, they're very similar, aren't they? Yeah, the only thing that, I, the only reason I went for the Vastex was because I could get it next day. Oh really? Jesus. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So the, I, I think the cruiser was about a six week wait and yeah. I had taken on a job that I needed the press for. So, yeah. So I, I just went does, it. does yours have those like sidebars for holding the no. screen on the edges? No. No, okay. it's just the the standard loading ones. Yeah. Um, it's a great press. It's got a, a couple of negatives, which I'm, I'm sure every press has got something that somebody's not happy with. But mm. the only issue I've got with it really is that the the print arm is really thick. So if you've got small t-shirts, you can't get them over very easily. Oh, right. Whereas I think like the other presses are a lot flatter, aren't they? Yeah. I'm looking at it now and it's kind of like got these chamfered 
I, I, yeah. I always get that wrong, but like a chamfered edge, so it kind of like the shirt like glides on. Yeah. But I've, I've seen you do sleeves today, I think, because on your stories. Yeah. So you can get a sleeve on, but is that just the platen and it doesn't go anywhere near the arm? It's just the platen. So the, the way the platen's designed is it's like that. And then the, the bit that platen sits on has got a bar underneath it. Uh, okay. So it sort of it slides onto that bit. Mm. But with a with a t-shirt, there's like a, a bit of the bracket gets in the way in between the two. So you can't yeah. get it all the way on. Oh, that's a bit annoying, but mm. I don't know what it's like with other presses, but um, new patterns for it are so expensive. Yeah. So, mm. It's interesting to know. I don't even know who holds Fastex at the moment. Like, who's the person? There's oh, two wait, companies. The company? there's, there's like one called MHM Direct and the other one's called Dale's Way. Oh, um, right, okay. But neither of them are, have been that friendly to work with, really. Right. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't, I haven't had any interaction. Did I look at a dryer with Dale's way and then I just got bored? I just, Probably. if I can't, yeah, I just, I think I give them one chance. Well, not a chance, but I try and like get quotes and things. And then I tend to just go for the ones that I've seen in other people's studios that have lots of um, referrals and videos yeah. and you can see people using them and working with them. Yeah. Yeah. So like, what about the dryer and other things? So dryer, I, I, I sort of had a big overhaul. It must have been 18 months ago. But before that, I was using a, a press I got off eBay for sort of 200 quid yeah. and a really, really dodgy flash dryer, the one that everyone seems to start with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Chinese unverified. Yeah, it sort of smokes at the plug and stuff like that. Yeah, um, I've had one of them. <laughs> It did, um, and then it yeah. just like smoked. I was like, "Fucking hell, leave that yeah. out." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I, I started with those, and then changed to my Vastex, and then I I got a grant eighteen months ago, and yeah. I bought a little buddy. Oh, nice! Yeah. So I wish I'd gone for the bigger one, but I just don't have the space for it because mm -hmm. it's quite awkward trying to get the garments on such a narrow belt. Yeah. And I've got the. I think I've got the same flash as you. The, BBC. Um, yeah. BBC I, I went for the, the bigger one on that one. I don't know what yeah. size yours is. Yeah, I think I had to go for the bigger one as well. Yeah, the, yeah. the buddy thing. I was on that little buddy for ages. But so like, let's, let's talk about the inks because then that will lead on to like the curing. Yeah. I haven't heard someone say that this ink is vegan, but as a vegan person, you must have done as much research into it because like what inks are you using that you, you've heard I'm that using from? international coatings. So okay. I spoke to, I emailed the manufacturers to check and they said that they're all fully vegan and everything like that. So mm. I, I, it's a bit of a gray area. I, I know. know a lot of people think oh, if you're ethical, you should be using water-based. I choose to go plastisol just because I think there's a lot of other benefits to it that you lose by going water-based. So being yeah. a small studio, I don't have a tunnel big enough to cure water-based efficiently. Um, the, I, I feel like, yeah, you, you can wash a lot of it away with water, but there's still a lot of chemicals used. And I feel like with plastisol, yeah. there's actually less chemicals that I use. Mm -hmm. um, and also, it's like I said earlier, I can 
set all my designs up on loads of screens and just leave the ink in it. So I'm rarely even cleaning them. They just sort of yeah. sit there and I pull them back out and they're good to go. Yeah. So, it's so interesting that you actually emailed them because I was looking through the, all these bloody spec sheets and then uh, I don't I was, understand any of that. <laughs> I know because I didn't really I just didn't think to email them because I thought they were from another country and it might be difficult but that was yeah. just that was stupid but yeah because I've been I was just thinking like most of these chemicals I was trying to like uh, do it by uh, saying well that's vegan that's vegan that's vegan that's vegan but it doesn't have like a certification no no i think it's because they don't want to get into any trouble by claiming something's vegan and something accidentally falls into it or something changes mm. and it becomes unvegan yeah but um yeah i just if, if i ever have a question i'll just email the people so same with um like target i emailed them about their uh, vinyl that's all vegan um beachfield all of their caps are vegan except Ooh. for ones that contain wool yeah um some of their backpacks are some of them have got glue in so there's like a couple but they, they give you a full list if you ask for it i just i just don't know why i've like stopped at the point where i've just like emailed them because normally when i email them or try and get a response i just get data sheets yeah and they're like you look and see and i'm like oh, i don't bloody know what does soil association mean or I need to get the Soil Association approved people on because they've got a whole vendetta against, not vendetta, that's going to sound way too strong now, but yeah. they don't allow Plastisol in the front door. But I feel like yeah. Soil Association is looking over here and we're, as vegans, we've got like a slightly different set of criteria as what we're, what we're like judging things against. Yeah. Like waste and energy consumption and water and... Mm. yeah it's, it's really... quite an interesting one when a customer comes in and they say i oh i'm expecting you to use water-based if they want 10 t-shirts there's no way i'm using water-based it's just not worth the, yeah. the hassle of it really especially yeah. if it's just a, a one color one that you can efficiently sort of bang out with plastic or inks in a safe and controlled way then why not as long as the inks are vegan and you're disposing of waste correctly and all that sort of stuff it shouldn't matter as much as people think. I know, I know. I love that you're you're saying all the things that I've been trying to like bang on about. But I feel like the older people in the industry have like these like still negative things about plastic because they used to contain things that have been taken out for ages. Yeah. They haven't updated, they haven't refreshed their yeah. understanding on it. Yeah, they used to be full of like toxins and stuff and quite nasty to work with, weren't they? But it's, yeah. it's so different now. And I think they have to be because of what people expect from their materials. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Uh, what about these garments then? So I know you've just mentioned a bit of Beachfield. What about like, what is your go-to shirt that you will print on as your shop shirt? My go-to is Continental. Cool. I've, I've used their stuff. Um, for over 10 years um, and as a result I get good prices from them so I'm in a position where I can offer them almost the same price as what other people offer Gildens really. Oh right wow. Um, I also as a premium I'll go down the standing instead of route um, but yeah those are sort of the, the only two that I offer really. Mm. I, I feel like they've got pretty much everything you need other than sort of polo shirts. Yeah. I don't think either of them have done a, a decent 
affordable polo shirt yet? Um, I don't know about the price on it, but Stanley Stella have polo shirts. I've okay. got one in front. Um, they've had them for a while. They've got the long sleeve ones as well, which are really nice. Okay, I'm going to have to get some samples in. Yeah. Have a look. I get in for polos quite a lot, and I'm always sort of like, oh, I don't really have anything good. Yeah. So I don't, I sort of steer away from it. Yeah, they've got those. And there's something that I just, I'm wetting myself in anticipation for is uh, Sherpas. Right. Like Sherpa hoodie, like they're kind of like outside fleecy. Oh, God, I want yeah. those. Because I've already figured out exactly what embroidery I'm putting on the back. Yeah. It's going to be monster. It's, nice. Yeah, I'm very, very excited of those. I printed, yeah. um, uh, what was it called? Uh, polyester jackets today. Right. So that's... How'd that go? It's good. But you have to know the inks. So it's, yeah. it's actually quite scary. Because the first time I did it, I was like, printed it, looked brilliant. Did a little rub test fine and then i did like a circular rub test right and if you do that it just went into dust and i was like oh, really? oh shit yeah because polyester isn't the same as nylon it's like no. a little bit more hardcore yeah so i think i've cracked it there will be a video if it works well if not okay. you won't see any video about it <laughs> <laughs> i'll just forget that happened um, yeah but yeah it's another type of nylon ink but yeah it's it's deceptive okay. yeah hmm. look forward but, to seeing it exactly because now those kind of brands are producing polyester things and you think oh well that's not very good because it's plastic but it's they're recycled polyester and they're still looking after the factories even if the factories are now in china because it's specialist yeah. but yeah yeah but, it's all re recycled bottles and things like that now isn't it which is exactly. a good way to be going i know I think that what apart from people actually certifying their inks vegan, I can't think of anywhere else the industry can go because we've done they've done so much for us, haven't they? So yeah, to sort it out. Um, I wanted to talk to you about uh, your clients being quite. I know you actually advertise to tattooists, but like, yep. how are you finding working with that kind of like genre of customer? It's 50-50s. Some of them, I mean, they all work in Procreate now, yeah, I no. find. <laughs> I know. And generally the file resolution is too low. They, yeah. they generally sort of work in a, I don't know, that they, they don't even set it up as A4, it's like A5 or something, and they'll just draw away on it. and then It's because they it zoom over. in like this. Yeah. And um, it's obviously not vector, is it? So it doesn't... I, I always just send it straight off to be turned into a vector yeah. and then I'll take it from there. But um, the, the reason I've gone down that route is because um, I, I, I like the creative process of printing because I like to have an involvement in creativity, mm. but I can't draw. So for me, producing somebody else's artwork in some way is where I get enjoyment. Yeah. So that, that's why I sort of target tattoo artists and brands and bands sometimes I find bands a bit of a nightmare to work with so I, I don't get too involved with them really is it because of the deadlines and it's a combination of deadline and wanting the lowest price with a six color print on every area of the t-shirt and yeah that sort of thing really yeah a tattoo artist generally wants a single color print maybe free color at the most and as yeah. big as you can get it I know. White on black, 
absolutely enormous open area of mesh. If you can't do that, then you just shouldn't go down tattooists. And also, yeah. if you haven't got one well, of those digitizers on hand, those vector artists. Yeah. What do you call them? I just they're the same people as the digitizers, aren't they? But vectorizer. Vectorizer. Yeah. I just yeah. call mine. The digitizer. I don't know how they do it the so guy. quick. I know. I feel like they've got this program that they're just not telling us about. It's like, yeah, there must know. be some plugin for Illustrator that improves the the image trace feature or something. Yeah. So they actually get it. I don't know. But I know damn well it isn't because I've asked my um, digit my guy to film his screen before. Right. And he does actually just go and plot it out really quickly with a pen. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe you cheated on that one just to make you think. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh my God, I've been asking you for all these years and it's been so laborious. But yeah, I don't think there is an easy way around. But I kind of hope for uh, Adobe don't bring out an amazing live trace because it will just get rid of all those people's jobs. Yeah. So then what have they pretty, got? Pretty, <laughs> shit. <laughs> pretty shit. Loads yeah. of. Anyway, it might stop them ringing us 10 times yeah, a day. Uh, listen, anyway. The one thing I hate about posting on social media is that you're guaranteed to get 10 at least digitizers message you. Yeah. And then somehow they get your phone number on WhatsApp and you just come yeah. in all directions. Exactly. You're actually quite hard to, because I didn't know your surname, you're very hard to like. Find. Find. Yeah. You're yeah. like a little ghost on the website because I was like, I was doing all my regular little search tactics, but I couldn't find anything. Yeah, I, I did wonder if you'd be able to find much out, considering like sort of the sort of eighteen-year history. It's all quite hidden. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hmm. Anyway, so like, what is the plan for selling these kind of shop shirts that you've been printing today? Because you've done like the arm with the, the yeah, you know, like the noodles and the chopsticks. Yeah, it's like ramen bowls and chopsticks down yeah. it. It's gonna have like a little squid on the on the breast pocket um it's quite funny and i can say like i'm i'm not artistic at all so i, I don't know what everyone else does when they need designs but i found some indonesian guy on instagram yeah no that's what i do yeah yeah and it's so so affordable and it allows you to print stuff you actually want to print which is yeah. great so little tip for anyone who wants to print stuff that they like just buy the artwork exactly but um I, I'm not, I haven't really come up with a, a proper plan yet because I've, I've done things so differently in the past but things have changed so much since I was last doing it. Mm. Um, I've got a family now so I don't have as much free time to go to events as what I used to. Um, I know you do, you do a lot of like the market stores and stuff, don't you? We've got two regular market stores and then, yeah, we want to do festivals because we just think that's the epitome of fun. That's like yeah. literally pushing all the most fun things together for us. Yeah. Um, yeah music just, festivals just, and stuff are, are so good because you, you you pay quite a bit to go. What is that? Was it like 800, I think, when I went? Uh, it's a bit more. I think there was like a deposit of rough... Uh, M deals with it and I just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, I think it was like around the 1400 deposit and then there might be another maybe even almost another grand um yeah due now and it's in it's in july yeah i think i, think I got that. a good price because i did all three festivals they did i did the board yeah. masters nas and freeze at the same time so i think mm. i paid it was about 800 for freeze and nas and then like one and a half for board masters because it's like a week long 
Yeah. But um, they are so fun, but they're, it's stressful knowing how much stock to take over the, was it yeah. three days or something? How much alcohol to take? How <laughs> much <laughs> alcohol to take? You need to give me some insight because I've, when you said like something like, do you mind me saying how many sunglasses you sold? No, it's no, fine. No, you said, you, you came on the DMs and you were like, oh, I sold 500 pairs of sunglasses and that just went, oh, shit, I've only got 25 of each beanie like that's my most comparable product and I'm like shit am I underestimating this or like because you have to be able to afford it to bring it be able to decorate it in time there's so many variables the thing is is you can you never know what's going to sell like we just happen to have these sunglasses made and we're just oh we'll just take them with us um we also took like I think about 400 t-shirts and probably sold about 50 of them. Oh no, don't say things like that. Yeah. But that was like only one of them. Right. Like, <laughs> when we went to Grows Rock in Belgium, we took like I think about 500 t-shirts and sold them all in a day. It's just like it's so hard to gauge what's gonna happen. Mm. Um okay. I've never lost money on a festival. I've always, okay. the way I always worked it out was I'd work at all of my costs and then I'd work at how much stock I needed to sell to cover the costs. Yeah. And then I'd work at how much profit I'd like to make and then take a little bit extra than that. Yeah. Because um, obviously the more stock you take, the more you've got to sell to make profit. Yes. So it's just being sensible, really. I know, it's horrible. But I'm literally looking beyond my computer at this just very intimidating whiteboard of all those types of figures like yeah and then over there there's about 36 different types of t-shirts so if I sell 50 t-shirts I'm gonna cry but um I don't know because we've got really bad competition this really strong competition I mean yeah like bad Mondays right next to us and they're sponsoring the event yeah that's a good thing though like I always found that being next to a good brand was better because everyone goes to that area um, yeah. you just got to make sure that you've got something to pull them into your stand. What I used to take was a probably about a six foot high MDF board of like, you know, those sort of things when you go to like the, the pier and there's a hole to put your face in. Mm. I had one of those with like a big picture drawn on it with my branding all over and people would come over to have their photo taken with it and then you sort of try and sell them something while they're there. Mm. What what do you think the, is this lame idea or good idea? And you can completely break my heart on it because I've only just bought a few. What do you okay. think about putting um, temporary tattoos on people? Yeah, I think it's a good yeah. idea. Yeah, okay. good. I'd go for that. I, I did. Um, I just took a marker pen and let people draw my friends that were working for me. I also <laughs> took. This is painful, but people go and absolutely loved it. I took waxing strips and let people come over and wax our legs and things. So it sort of oh, drew I'm people hairy in. enough. <laughs> they you could like... get people who are passing by, some hairy skaters or something. Mm. How did you think of that? You've just been to a lot of festivals and this type yeah. of thing. I wax also took the, a, a thousand condoms to give away. That's a good idea. One of the most disgusting things though was <laughs> gave the guy a condom and he was oh. like, oh, can I have a t-shirt as well? And we said only if you bring it back filled with cum. And oh, like man. five minutes oh. later he came back. <laughs> and he just poured that. That's awful. No, you got the t-shirt though. <laughs> Jesus 
Christ. <laughs> I'm not saying anything like that. <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty awful. Do you know um, Rogue Print from these? Episodes? I started following them on. I, I listened to their interview with you, and yeah, I started following him. His stories, yeah. and stuff. Yeah. I am not going to get this podcast sponsored now because of <laughs> freaking Rogue Print and your lovely little story. <laughs> be like, Look at these episodes. And it's like, well, there's always okay. Jurex, isn't there? Yeah, I know. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I found giving away things like sweets, um, sweets, condoms, lighters, just like little cheap promo y stuff that people like. Okay. Mm, that's clever yeah I have to think of something clever um I do have this it was actually my wedding gift to M was mm. a I, I'd say it was about 25 foot inflatable windy sock man yeah that okay he's, he's only come out on the wedding and like a couple of summer summer parties but I think definitely if I, get, if I could get that through testing or something then I could bring it because that'd be quite good. What's it powered by? It's just electric and it's just a giant fan. And yeah. then you just put the big silk thing on it, the big silk tube, and it just woof. You won't need any sort of testing, I don't think. They're kind of had... asking for it, but. Are they? I never had anything tested. Mm. And um, mm. having a fan will be a great thing because it gets quite hot there. So people come over, send by your fan. Yeah. This is kind of like a really aggressive fan because I, I, I had just the most stupid thing when I got it. I went outside to the builder's yard and it's all like gravelly. So I just yeah. put it down and I was just like, turned it on. And then I just like felt if it was working and then I put my face over it. <laughs> so it just graveled my whole face with um, just fan blows of gravel into my face. Yeah. So that was my first interaction with it. So yeah, I don't know, you'd have to, take the thing off yeah if i say that you suggested it to M, then she might let me bring the windy man hmm. yeah i would i'll take it can you put a t-shirt on it i could it would have to be in a, a custom but i could vinyl it up along the edge of it yeah or like cut open the back of a t-shirt so you've got some buttons to put it through or something it's like yeah that'd be hmm. cool that's a really good um suggestions on how to pull the people in because you don't I, I was going to do like live screen printing but I don't think it's the type of crowd who would appreciate it no no um I don't know what the crowd would be like nowadays but back then it was that people were generally quite drunk and I don't think it'd be safe yeah um, it's more I, I always found just doing something fun was the better way probably yeah not that printing's not fun but I mean but it's yeah drinking fun stuff yeah. We had a, a beer pong competition as well on like the mm, table at the front. That's really clever. Hmm, you're making my mind go a little bit yeah. this way instead of screen printing. Yeah, <laughs> so, so you had to steer back a little bit. Yeah, let's bring you back into the into the topic. So, like you're saying, um, working from this other studio means yeah. that like you've got access to the equipment and stuff but actually I'd see that as the advantage with your home life situation as well though because does it mean that like when the others end the day like at like six or whatever and they lock up that means you have to go home as well it's no like, so how can you get home yeah because I'm a manager I've got a key oh. so I, I work for them uh eight till four but I have to get home 
as close to four as I can to sort of stuff out with my, my boy. Yeah, so it's yeah. like bath time, dinner, all that sort of stuff. So instead, I go in, I get out for work at half five and get there as early as I can so I can squeeze in two to three hours every nice. morning of my own mm. work before I start mm. work. So I sort of do it first thing rather than end of day. And then in the yeah. evening, I'll do like working on my website or admin stuff and bits like that occasionally if I'm busy I'll go back over to the office and do some printing in the night or whatever but I, I try not to if I don't have to really yeah and I suppose that gets easier when you're working on your own projects I kind of I'm kind of like say that's coming out of my mouth but I'm actually just looking at mountains of my own <laughs> projects that I could easily stay here working a lot longer than customer jobs yeah, yeah. it's so hard to like shut it off isn't it I suppose like yeah. having, having that time constraint with your family like helps you like get home at least mm. Mm. yeah I, I sort of have no choice I have to be home by like half four which mm. I'm absolutely fine with but it does mean I've got to be really strict to get enough at half five every morning and yeah. um sort of just cracking on really mm. yeah it's tricky are you are you planning I know it's early days but are you planning on trying to bring anyone else in are you allowed to in the setup or um at the moment I'm nowhere near even thinking about it to be honest um because I obviously work full-time and sort of do this on the side I've got I've got no intentions of just sort of leaving my job anytime soon I enjoy yeah. working there they're, they're a good company and they've given me a, a good deal with my my equipment mm-hmm. so um I'm obviously very grateful for the situation I'm in. Um, so yeah, I've got no interest in dealing with payroll or anything like that. Yeah. I, I never want to own a big company. I'm as long as I'm making enough money to pay myself to have an all right standard of life. That's all I want, really. Yeah. I just want to enjoy what I'm doing. Yeah. So you just like yeah, because you've kind of got like this perfect sweet spot where you can kind of do your own thing. You yeah. get like the the wage, which is like the security, I guess. And then um yeah, then you can just yeah. if something does do well, it's it's a bonus instead of something that you're like hundred percent relying on coming in. Exactly. And um mm. uh, one of one of my big problems is uh, I suffer quite badly with like imposter syndrome. Right. So um I, I I never view anything I make as, as actually good enough. So right. I'm constantly trying to improve on things and um so, sometimes it takes me a while of trying to improve on something to realize that I was actually better before I tried to improve it yeah so. <laughs> just from this redrawing thing or like what part of it are you just like your eye for design or literally everything um, or just the general process so mm. I, I used to outsource my screen exposure to a local company and um Obviously, I bought a an LED Vastex unit last year. Cool. Um, so I started doing it myself, and obviously it's just a whole new nightmare trying to figure that out. Um, and I was talking to to Jack from Old Elton's yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I was, oh, cool. I was having a nightmare or something. Every now and again, I drop into his DMs and like, "Help me, what's going wrong?" Sort of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, what I'd started. I, when I bought the exposure unit, I had no problems really. Everything was fine. I'd probably have one in 15 screens that I just wasn't happy with. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. I need to get to a point where every screen's perfect every time. 
so I sort of did countless different um, exposure calculators and whatever else. Um, but it was still every now and again, I'd just get one. And then I kept hearing about people sort of dunking their screens in water for a couple of minutes before blasting What's them out. Mm. So I gave that a go and it worked perfectly for the, for screens. I was like, oh, I'll do that from now on. And then it got to a point where um, I'd say sort of three or four out of five screens, I was getting scumming all over the design. Yeah. And um, I just couldn't figure it out. And I was trying everything. I, I did exposure calculators, well, that was fine. But every single screen was just getting, I'd say about 10% of the designs scummed over. And then it was last night I went on to the manufacturer of the emulsions website and they said not to dunk them. Really? So something that I thought, oh, everyone's doing this, I better do it. Yeah, Started yeah, doing yeah. It and it just completely, completely fucked everything up for what about was, a month probably. What was the particular brand that you did? I use, it's called Alchemy 6000. Hmm. I get it from um, Pyramid. Yeah. Um, I've I've tried a few different ones, and theirs is just the one that I find works best for for my setup. Yeah. Um, I I couldn't get on with the stuff from screen print world. No matter what I did, I just no. Yeah, it's (laughs) it's so tricky. It's like um, so the really hardcore emulsion that I use on people's uh, pre-exposed screens. It's like resistant to frigging everything. So yeah. I have to do that because I don't know whether they're using water-based or plastisol or solvents yeah. or discharge or whatever. So I have to use like the most hardcore insane stuff. Mm. And that one, that one's like, it's called Azacol Z1 because they're always called stupid things, aren't they? Yeah. Instead of just like really good emulsion or yeah. I don't know. So, but they've got like 30 different emulsions on this site where I get it from and it's, I only get emulsion from them. Yeah. And then I do have the 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 two ones from Screenprint World. And I've mm. used them like I use them kind of like day to day in the studio for things. Yeah. But I don't send them out. And it's just because of that reason that I don't know if people are going to use water and then then maybe plaster at one stage. So yeah. yeah, it's tricky, isn't it? But if yeah. it's, so it's just that you're soaking it and it just can't take the water. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense though. At least you've got like a solution for it. Yeah, on their website, they said something like, we know it can be tempting to to um, dunk your screens after exposing, but don't because mm-hmm. um, something about it um, softening the emulsion too much and then the liquid seeping back into the mesh. It just seems, that seems really anti the chemistry of what's happening with emulsion because it hardens it literally makes new bonds with the when it undergoes the uv light yeah so it's literally bonding and hardening so if it hasn't bonded then you're thinking well the bonds haven't been made they can't just be made get softened with water and then the water can't just break those bonds and make Mm. it into a liquid it's really weird but Mm. it's in my head in but i seem to have fix it now I, I did i think five screens this morning back to back and they were all absolutely fine so mm, cool. seems to have worked yeah it's tricky i i get used as a um as a screen print helpline when people are super yeah. stressed so 
hopefully yeah i'm not like encouraging loads of more people to start calling me all the time when they're stressed out and now they can use facetime yeah they're like the what's this oh god yeah i'm fine with it because sometimes i can help and i can see like oh that that and then it's just it's actually quite rewarding helping people out but um yeah yeah it's good that we've kind of got like a little community we can all ask each other it's cool yeah it's weird with screen print isn't it like you can have something like that issue i was having which is it's so frustrating and for me like it literally disrupts my sleep i'll lie in bed thinking why is this happening and then as soon as you manage to solve it it's like the best high you're like yeah Yeah, i know yeah and then there's another very see this is one of those things about the the vegan ink thing and that the reason one of the reasons why i don't think they can call themselves vegan inks because i was talking to another printer the other day and he said i never use a ink straight out the tub so if you go and put like puff additive in it or something there's nothing to say that puff additive is vegan and everyone's yeah. treating ink differently. So it's kind of like, you can't, there's, there's, there isn't really a good way of like controlling all of these different variables. And then what yeah. about your emulsion and your cleaning chemicals? And I think we just got to do our best. Yeah. <laughs> and like, the thing is, that is, the, that is the definition of veganism, isn't it? To do your best where possible. Yeah. Because I like, think you get down to the route where medication can't be vegan and whatever else can't be vegan. It's like, where do you draw the line? So. Mm. It has to be practical at the end of the day. Um, yeah, to do yeah. Your, your best sort of thing. Are you vegan? I'm calling myself vegan now, but I struggled with it a lot because I was, I've been a vegetarian, like a very strict vegetarian for about, I'd say about seven years. But yeah. then I struggled with calling myself vegan for that, that what you're just saying. Yeah. So I felt I like, I don't like oh, to. I know. It's, um, I was on the vegan podcast, the bloody vegan podcast recently, talk, yeah. talking about this. Okay. And it was like my kind of like hangups about calling myself a vegan person because of just like there's a bit of family stigma where they just yeah. like kind of look down on vegans a bit and they just think they're like weedy and pale. And yeah. then there's the um there's just like things that I feel like I wasn't doing well enough in. Like that stupid thing that you just said. Yeah. It's like there's gelatin on fucking everything, and I didn't yeah, really. didn't realize how embedded it is into the things that I was doing. Like you can eat a protein yeah. bar, and then two weeks later you find out, oh fuck, that's got gelatin in it. And I'm like, what? It says it's vegetarian, so I just snapped it up. Um, yeah. yeah, but I'm just it's a minefield. Trying a lot harder. Yeah, it's tricky yeah yeah i mean i'm not like i'm not on the other end where i won't drink beer because of um yeah so yeah i'm probably not like a gold star or whatever they call themselves vegan but i'm a i'm a bloody good try one yeah and i think that's a a good way to be like Mm. nobody likes the militant ones do they (laughs) no good yeah exactly that goes with anything it's like um a militant feminist i could be one of those if i wanted to be and i'll just upset people or yeah i think everyone who's like become a, ve- a vegan or vegetarian has always had that kind of like unnecessary heated argument with um with someone mm. who's like trying to get them to justify why they're vegetarian it's like yeah you be you i'm being me i'm not pushing this on you but they're like yeah, exactly. just, you just accidentally push a nerve about it and then you've got to justify yeah. yourself 
um yeah but it's cool that you kind of like pushed it into your business values as well because then yeah. people can approach you as well, you vegan. have to to some extent don't you yeah yeah um yeah i i sort of was toying around for quite a while of making my brand a very vegan brand, but it's just it's not me so it's just like i can't pretend to to do something that i wouldn't wear i just can't yeah can't do that really yeah it's like um em had a brand about um it was called andro clothing and it was specifically for like androgynous people and the gay sector but then we realized right. do not want to be in this sector there's like yeah. you cannot do right you cannot put a foot right without someone going why do lesbians need their own clothes we're just normal like everyone else it's like oh that's not what i meant yeah so we just do <laughs> we just do what you're doing now i think is just printing designs that you like and you'd wear and then you just hope yeah. that like-minded people like that yeah, at the end of the day, if you can get a, a t-shirt for yourself out of doing something, then it's all good, isn't it, really? <laughs> exactly. So have you got any advice for people who want to start a brand? Or would you kind of... Because um, you're doing both, so... Yeah. So... Any advice? Um, I, I, like I said, I, I feel like I'm learning it all again just because so much has changed. Mm. Um, I think something that I struggle with which I, I know is important is putting out your personality in your brand so that people can connect with it you'll find like-minded people easier yeah. so sort of I, I don't like social media but I'm trying to I'm trying really hard to get more into it and yeah. accept it a bit more but um, I guess like finding your tribe on mm -hmm. there and mm -hmm. building a following of, of people that buy into your your views and values and then they'll like the designs off the back of that probably yeah um, that's the sort of route i'm going down um, are, you, are you doing that with your descriptions or just like the hashtags that you're using or are you kind of like explaining the reason for your designs are you going into that much detail um i'm sort of mixing it up by trying to put a bit of my lifestyle into it a bit more so like I really like cooking and barbecues and pizzas and whatever so I'm trying to like show that in my feed alongside the t-shirts and hopefully the oh, people okay. will I don't know I, I'm trying to work out myself at the same time in a way um yeah see what happens I guess I, I'm at a point at the moment where I'm, I'm trying to sell myself I, I don't care if I don't sell anything I'm doing it just yeah. for a bit of fun if it goes somewhere great if it doesn't it's not the end of the world yeah exactly it's kind of like um on the Facebook we were asked recently like what are you trying to do with Blind Maggot and stuff but it's like we're not trying to do anything it's literally surplus of YouTube videos and then we just yeah we would be on the market selling regardless like yeah. we've been selling homewares we've been selling loads of different stuff so that's just another yeah. part of what we enjoy so we don't care what yeah. we're saying it's just fun to show your own stuff. if you're printing stuff you like and yeah. you're, you're going to attract customers who want to print that same stuff mm. so it's exactly. a way of building your, your client base at the same time yeah um, yeah mm. so put a bit of yourself out because like the generic kind of like cold brands is no one's buying into it 
have to have like a bit of a yeah I think so I mean you look at old old school brands like even a brand like Nike when it first came out it was all it had its personality very strongly in mm. sport and in certain sporting individuals and it still does to some extent it's just it's so big now it's on a huge scale so you don't really notice it as much but they yeah. they would have had like a very strong culture within their brand yeah and there's other brands like it like um streetwear kind of thing have you heard of abandoned ship apparel from scotland no so they've been going around for it must be over 10 years now i've, I've been to quite a few festivals with them um cool. but they they sort of went to i think i think i might be wrong but they did a lot of like cut and sew stuff and made custom shirts and things like that um but they have a very strong culture within their brand you you can look at their stuff and you know what kind of people they are and you know what kind of people are going to wear it Mm. so it's just creating an identity around a brand I think yeah Um, something that I've always liked is like finishing touches so like nice swing tags nice packaging additional little prints here and there Mm. um have you heard of Johnny Cupcakes the American yes oh yeah yeah that's awesome I, I love Johnny Cupcake. I don't, not so much anymore because I, I feel like it appeals to a certain age more probably. But when I was younger, I used to love his stuff and everything behind it, like you buy a t-shirt and there'd be a print on the on the hem sewn over and that the, the tag inside would be an oven glove. It's just stuff like that. I just found yeah. really impressive and it always made me want to do stuff like that. And with all my brands, I've always done or try to do like different packaging for my designs. Oh, so wow. I, I did this one t-shirt which had a picture of Audrey Hepburn on it and I <laughs> made a matching video sleeve and I went around all the charity shops for every video I could find and I packaged this t-shirt in, a in video the video box. cassette. Yeah. Oh wow. So I stuff like that. I I always try and think of different ways of doing stuff. Um mainly because I enjoy it, but also because I think it gives people stuff to talk about. Exactly. So like mm-hmm. when I started the, the TV club brand, with it being called The Breakfast Club, everything was packaged in breakfast packaging. So I went to the cash and carry and I got like um, noodle boxes and burger boxes and mm-hmm. sort of printed on all those and things like that. Um, just to entertain myself, I guess. Really. Yeah. Yeah, but then other people like, you know appreciated it uh, this is a really boring question because you just told us something really cool but like how did you manage like sending those through the post um yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's, some things easier than others but yeah. um I, mo- most of my orders had to go out in boxes so I, I bought like just little little boxes that we could stack the other boxes in oh cool to protect okay. them not exciting really it's just um mm. w- whatever would contain it and people had to pay the postage sort of thing yeah i know it's it's tricky though because we were, we were discussing something earlier because i always wanted to sew in hem tags yeah like at the bottom but then i just i've literally just like folded 50 shirts and put all the swing labels in and done all the neck labels so yeah. for now i had to go and like sew in 50 hem tags and I can't sew on a button uh mm. that would like do a whole new layer of other stuff so it's yeah. like I need these like it's good to have the ideas but like 
I have to have like really quick practical ways of being able to implement it. What I used to do was um, I would order in, it'd be about a thousand tops at a time and I'd take them to my mum and my <laughs> mum would sew, <laughs> sew all the tags in. Shop hack. Then, yeah. <laughs> my mum does it. Yeah. Get your mum to do whatever she can. But um, <laughs> I, I used to have like a, a little retail shop. Oh, so yeah. at the front I had, it was like um, just a huge wall with, um, I printed all of my designs onto wood and screwed them to the wall. Oh, cool. And then I had a rail opposite it, just with all of my different blank garments on. So people oh, would right, come yeah. in and they'd pick which garment they wanted and then which design they'd want. And then I had That's my press so cool. behind it all. And I, it, it was a bit like Build-A-Bear, but for T-shirts. Wow. And they could, pick, they could pick a design to go on the front and back and sleeve. I'd have like all of them set up and Bloody I hell. had each screen already inked up in either black, white, or sometimes another color as well, like a red or maybe a split fountain kind of design or something. Mm. And um, I had like a nice little seating area where people come in, have a drink while I wait for their t-shirt to be made. It's, it's oh pretty cool, God. but um, hard work because I'd be doing online orders at the same time. Yeah. Um, I used to advertise in um, a couple of magazines and whenever the magazine went out, on that day, I'd usually get sort of about 150 orders, probably. Just throughout the day, my phone's going ding, 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 ding. And it would be like, trying to do that while also doing this other stuff. It's, mm. It got quite confusing. That's a very, very cool concept. Like, we, um, so can they see you? So is there like glass in between you and they're like in a little copy area and they can see you working in the back? It was just a, a long shot. And there was just an archway. I, I say long, it wasn't even that long. It was probably 30 foot. Like it wasn't huge, but there was, mm. there was a, a definitive front area with a counter and then behind the counter was the archway. Oh, good. So um, you can't just wander in. But Yeah. Um, but I did things like a, like a birthday party event for the brand where I'd let people in to print their own ones and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds like you're just going to bring all that kind of creativity and fun into whatever you're doing. I try mm. to. Like mm. I say, it, it keeps me interested. I, I, I have the sort of mindset of if something's too easy and routine, I get bored very quickly. So I have yeah. to make it a bit hard, I think. Yeah. And that's probably what's, yeah, that's probably what's like, you're, you've still got your outlet for your own creativity. You, probably wouldn't be able to like <laughs> do it if you're just working for someone else because you'd need yeah. like, an outlet so you might as well make yeah. the outlet pay you I, I mm. wish I was the kind of person who could just have a nine-to-five job doing something they enjoy and go oh, home and enjoy. enjoy their life but <laughs> yeah I, I prefer to come home and be stressed all night <laughs> yeah <laughs> but yeah it's, it is useful doing the client jobs as well though because some every so often not that frequently but sometimes they might throw up like a variable that you hadn't thought of like you know they might ask for something unusual and you're like oh I could throw that into my my job but if I did it yeah did it this way I mm. did have a cool cool one come up the other week or of a month now probably it didn't go ahead but this guy who's a graffiti artist and he wanted a load of 
um, embroidered hats, but he wanted to spray paint them first. He was going to like spray paint artwork all over them. And then I was going to have to yeah. embroider design to where it worked the graffiti. Oh, cool. Um, but I think it worked out too expensive for him. So he yeah. didn't go ahead. But I thought it was a cool idea. Yeah. But that's How do you that find has... embroidery? Have you got a Melco, is it? Yeah, I've got a Melco. I think it's very average. I don't know whether it's me or if it's the machine, but I'm like eyeing up Baradons now because everyone's switching out Barad. I think everyone's getting rid of Rakomas. That's Rakomas just the trend. are I'm absolute sorry, dog shit. I, I hate Rakomas. Like, but how relentless was the sales guy? What from Rakoma? Yeah. Baradon. No, Rakoma. What, John oh my Paul? God. I don't probably John Paul. I probably blocked his name, but he he deserves his wage anyway, because he was like ring, ring, email, letter, or something. It was like fucking hell. I yeah. almost I almost got one just to just to stop it. But yeah, but yeah um yeah, I don't really Melco is affordable, it was like industrial size enough yeah. to do the caps. I think Melco is like one step above Rakoma from what yeah. I've heard. That's, I think Rakoma are like sort of bottom, bot bottom of the industrial hobbyist kind of yeah. end, I think. Yes. Um, the, the company I work for had them before I started working there. So I, I never knew any different. I sort of got the job, got trained on them. And I was like, oh, they do a cool job, but they there's a lot of thread breaks and a lot of needle breaks and a lot of managing the badge through the machine um and then we we bought out another company which was an existing embroidery company and they had um they had baradins and the difference was just ridiculous like does it just like not threat why is it not threat breaking and stuff like what is do you know what the reason is on the baradin mm. so it's the way the machines are made like if you if you look at a, a say like a Rakoma next to a Baradon, there's just a lot of better design features. Like the thread that runs through from the spool of thread down to the needle, on a Baradon it runs through a solid tube, whereas on a Rakoma it runs through like a stretchy, springy one, which can get lint and air in it and it blows mm -hmm. around. Um, just parts are generally sturdier and more rigid. Um, I just find that with the Rakomas, you can literally go over to them when they're not running and run your finger along the threads and they will all come unthread, come out of their brackets. Mm -hmm. Whereas a Baradin, they're completely taut. You can't move them. So mm -hmm. you, you get a breeze in a room of a Rakoma and it's unthreading. Yeah, if you fart too hard. Yeah. <laughs> Do you I get know. that problem with the Melco? Is the Melco generally all right? I have no comparison because I haven't got like a Rakomen. This is like my first experience with it. Yeah. I can't tell whether it's me or the machine. What's it's, it like for hats? So I did about 50 hats a few weeks ago, all the little, all the same thread color, probably about like two inches by two inches. Yeah. No needle breaks, like it only, the no thread breaks even. It was just running out of bobbin yeah so that beautiful but then other stuff like i'm trying to do these patches on some beanies and it's like i'm just forcing it through i'm just on like beanies. yeah just this like on if it has to change color a lot 
yeah. it just like pulls the thread out of itself. And right, yeah. It's kind of like, do I troubleshoot this or do I just keep bullying the machine through to the end of the patch so I can go home? Yeah. So it's tricky. It sounds like, is it, is it consistently on the same colour? Sometimes. Sometimes yeah. it's just like, oh, I shit the bed and I came out again. Yeah. And then you're like, okay, I'm just going over and then you can't even see what's wrong with it. I don't know. It's probably just that I've never invested in my education enough to go and get properly yeah. educated. That's the thing I'm lucky because I've obviously worked for a company that paid me to learn how to use it. So yeah, I've been nice. doing it for about five years now. So I'm pretty good even with a recoma. I can generally mm. work out how to get it going. But with, with a Baradin, you can pretty much just set it up and it'll go. It's mm. just so easy. And it does yeah. it does caps very well. Like the way the machine's designed, the the arm that the bracket sits on is curved, so the cap sort of bends around it. Whereas on like a Macoma, it's a square end, and you can see the cap sort of struggling to turn. Oh right. So there's definite mm. design features on it which are just improved. Yeah. But now you've got access to those two. I'm so <laughs> sorry, I'm taking so much of your time, but it doesn't matter. That's right. Uh, <laughs> it does matter, but I'm excited. So have you thought about like combining your screen print and then like putting embroidery over the top? Um because I haven't. Kind of... I've seen um do you know I dress myself? Yeah. I think Not me personally, them. Yeah, they're coming on next week. Oh, yeah. cool. Yeah. I'd love to know more about their stuff. But I've seen that they do. They, they did this thing where they did a, a DTG print and then they embroidered on that and it looked amazing. So mm. that looked cool. I've never thought of embroidering over screen print, but that would be quite cool. Exactly. If you could print something where the character or whatever is wearing an embroidered something and you can make that embroidered thing. Oh, mm. that's nice. That's going to be yeah. like tricky like I, I think I'm going to do something a bit more abstract like yeah flowers around a design yeah. I'm looking at a design that I kind of want to do some extra embroidered like flowers like around it because it's just yeah. on the hoodies because yeah. um yeah yeah we'll have to have a race and see if you can do it first yeah exactly and all those I just like doing those things personally that customers ask me to do and I'm like nah I'm yeah. not going to do it for you because that's too stressful, but I will do it for me. Thanks for yeah. the idea. <laughs> Sounds super harsh, but you can't you can't promise things to customers that are out of out of your like setup, can you? So no. Hmm. We can play around. Yeah. Well, oh, thank you very much, Paul. I feel like I've um taken <laughs> I know I've got into the festivals and the the veganism and loads of different varied topics with you but is That's there right. anything specific you want me to ask I dress myself I think it's Hannah I'm talking to um I don't know really I'm sure whatever they have to say will be interesting to hear yeah what about um, other other studios that you you're quite think quite interesting actually is mm. um 12 what was it 2012 I was first looking at starting screen printing and I emailed a few companies asking if they could give me any advice or give me any training or whatever. And uh, there's a, a local company who I won't name, but they basically replied for a really shitty, we're not training the competition sort of email. Oh. 
That's weird. And I was a bit like, okay, I wasn't going to be competition. I was just doing it to be my own brand, but whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But one of the people I emailed was Vino Sangre. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, my, you, I've heard your one with. And okay. um, it's quite interesting because I emailed him asking for a quote for some printing, which he gave me. And then I was like, oh, I'm really interested in learning. Like, do you do lessons or know anyone that would sort of thing? And he replied saying he prints from his bedroom and there's only enough space for him. So it's so interesting to see how much he's grown since wow. I sent that message to where he is now. It's, That's incredible. It's, um, yeah, it's amazing. So it's, yeah. it's nice to see because he, he came across as a really nice guy and he's obviously done well from it. So it's, mm. That is just, yeah, that is everything. Every single time I hear about Venus Angre, I know it's going to be something nice because he's just, it just resonates out of him, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. same with Jack at Old Elton's. Everyone seems to go on about him. He, he's yeah. given me quite a lot of help over the, the last few months. I've always hit him up yeah. for advice and things. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a really, um, really nice community now. I think, like, for a long time, I didn't reach out to people, but um i think yeah we're all coming together we all seem like this generational thing we all seem to be like yeah. roughly the same i don't know how old you are but 35 35 yeah. yeah i think that's like i'm like 34 so yeah. i think around the like 29 to 35 i think we're just it's just our time we're just yeah. starting to own the businesses and make the decisions i think it is the the older generation and they're not all like it but a lot of yeah. them they just have that sort of um, they don't have that like an abundance mindset it's more of a the work has to be taken by me no one else and I can't mm. show anyone else my secrets yeah and so that trade's gonna die with you because you're not sharing a skill like it's, mm. and I, I find it weird with it's quite hard to to find training like I'm down in, in Devon and there's nothing here anywhere so you have to sort of go at least to Bristol if not further to get anything yeah yeah, I still do technically do training days, but they're just um, they're just for a very certain type of person, like someone who's I didn't do, I didn't do experience days anymore. I just got bored of it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Ugh, you're just using me as like a fun Hindu or some shit, and like, <laughs> this is not what I got out of bed for today. So I, I yeah. just do like startup business people. Right. So, yeah. Um, if they want to start their own studio or something serious, but. Yeah. yeah so anyway <laughs> yeah, yeah. There, there aren't many are there there's more like art-based ones but... everyone does like the printing a, a poster or a tote bag kind of workshop but yeah if you want to I do actual like t-shirts and do it well there's not really anything around yeah but everyone, everyone thinks that they can learn off youtube and do it themselves and yeah. I, I kind of struggled with that. I'm more of a show me once physically and I'll be able to remember how to do it. But mm. I really struggle with learning from watching videos. Yeah. Mm. It's tricky, isn't it? Go yeah. to and like cater for people as much as you can. But everyone, yeah, it's just, it's probably like my fault. Like it's, I didn't go and learn the embroidery machine. So I'm probably just the same. So yeah. Yeah, probably fix all my problems in a day, day course. But, yeah, yeah, possibly. <laughs> I know Madeira do courses in, I don't know where you, whereabouts are you based? Newbury in Berkshire. I don't really know, I'm all geographer. I know they do courses, I've looked yeah. into them. I it's should worth go. doing, I'd say. I know, I just feel like 
Okay, I will. And then I'll take my camera and show other people as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then it'll be like worthwhile for me. Yeah. Cool. If, you, if you have got any like questions I might be able to help with, just send me a message or whatever and I'll, I'll see if I can help you out. Mm. I don't think I've got like one normal problem <laughs> that I need help with. It's just like a general... I also get through it and it does look good. Yeah. So I can troubleshoot it. I just, it's just not my favorite. I just yeah. like, prefer screen printing stuff. But yeah, yeah. The stuff I've like seen all looks decent. So that's kind. That's kind. Thank you very much. It's not me anyway. It's the bloody digitizer, isn't it? Not my well, I was going to say it. that it's part of the battle. If you're using a, a rubbish digitizer, then your, your things will have thread breaks. So okay. you get what you pay for with your digitizer. Hmm. Sorry, one more question before I let you go. Do you use like uh, just a random guy from Indonesia for your digitizing, or because it's through the company, do you have to use like a proper? We use a, I think it's an Italian company, but they're basically the same as an Indonesian company. Oh, okay. So they, yeah. it's not one of the big we, franchises. No, we, we, we've tried three or four, and we found one that we're happy with. I know there's a UK-based digitizer that everybody says is the mm. best, which is David Sharp. Yeah. And his stuff is very good, but it's expensive. It's, um, I think it's around 20 quid for mm. a setup. And obviously you can pay like five quid from Indonesia yeah. or wherever else. So if, if we're doing a design where we know it's a very fussy customer and we want it to look as good as it possibly can we will pay the extra and charge the customer the extra mm. but um with, with embroidery you can get away with so much sometimes you could send them like the, the shittest jpeg and they'll somehow digitize oh, the amazing badge so. yeah i know so just keep pushing the limits don't worry about yeah. it okay cool all right and um you have to uh send me your selfie and then uh then yes, they're all sorted yeah cool um, one other thing mm. is I I prepared my my um answers for somebody you should interview. Yes. Um, there's a brand that I would like to know more about if you can get hold of them and interview them called Dirty Velvet. Dirty Velvet. Yeah. I love them already. And they <laughs> <Good> do. <stuff. laughs> it's quite political designs hmm. and I can't work well I think they do all their own manufacturing and printing wow but um they, they, their designs are worn by lots of like famous people and stuff so That's they've got quite it. a big following but they, I only heard about them recently but their, their stuff is pretty cool yeah so either them or um have you heard of Luke Dixon from Bear Hug I know Bear Hug is it are you talking yeah. about like is it Bear Hug that guy no Come give me no, a the bear brand's, hug. The, song. the brand's called Bear Hug Clothing. Okay. Didn't embarrass <laughs> myself trying to do a deep voice at a, okay, Bear Hug. Sorry, so yeah. say his first name again because I was just uh, throwing myself. Luke Dixon. Luke Dixon. Okay, cool. His stuff's pretty cool, so I'd like to hear more from him. Yeah. Cool. I've got a few booked up, but that is good. Awesome. Thank you. I really appreciate no that. No worries. And uh, I'll DM you lots of questions about loads of stuff. So. Yeah, hit me up about the festival <laughs> stuff. I've got so much knowledge on it. So happy to help. Awesome. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Thank, you nice much, to you. Thank you very much, Paul. Thank you very much. Okay. No worries. Awesome. Okay. Speak Have a nice soon. night. Cheers. See you, bye. bye.